Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. It's good to be here today. Hopefully you're having a great day, man, a great week, great year. It's good to be here. We're just diving into Genesis. We're on Genesis 2. I know that's pretty cool, man. We've we done gone from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2. We did it in a little under 30 episodes and no, not every chapter will be 30 episodes in the Bible. Uh, that would be a whole a lot of uh, episodes, but this is an important area of scripture we're really dialing in on, and hopefully the uh, Lord has blessed you by it, and uh, know that it's all God, that uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit, that's helped me study for it. So we thank God for that. And here we have Genesis 2, and I'm just going to read three verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Okay, so here in Genesis 2, we clearly have the sixth day of creation is now over. Everything has been made that needed to be made. And the seventh day comes, and what does God do on the seventh day? He rests. Does he need to rest? Is he weak and tired? No. Why is God doing this? As a picture of the Sabbath, of what he wants us to know about resting. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. It's a blessed day. Because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God had uh, God created and made. And so we see here the introduction of a day of rest. And that's what we're going to focus on for a little while here, a few episodes at least, about this idea of a day of rest. And let me get this out here now. We're no longer under the law. So if you're trying to keep the Sabbath as a way to impress God or because you think it's going to get you into heaven... That is incorrect. Jesus Christ came to fulfill our our sin debt with his death and resurrection on the cross at Calvary. Amen. So we're no longer under the law. Uh, great verse for that one. And I'm going to dig it up right here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that's Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We're made righteous. We're made right. We're, made, we're reconciled to God. Everyone will look at it by what Christ did on the cross at Calvary. So we're no longer under the law. So when I'm talking about the day of rest or the Sabbath, I'm talking about it in the broader context of why God would want us to know it, right? Why would God want us to know that he rested on the seventh day? Why would, if we are no longer under the law because Christ fulfilled the law, why would it still be a good idea to rest on the seventh day? And I want to take a step back and look at what the Bible says about rest. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. And then as soon as we return, we're going to look at what the Bible says about rest. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right. So what we're going to do is start out with Matthew 11, 
28 through 29, a very familiar verse of scripture, dealing with rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And so we see here in this verse that Christ is inviting us to come to him when we are uh, we're, we're laboring and we're heavy laden. I don't know about you, but pretty much any adult in the society that's working is going to be laboring and heavy laden. And uh, I have a, I don't know, a bone in my body where I don't like things being undone. I don't like things being half done. And so when I'm working, I feel like uh, I put more pressure on myself than anyone else. Uh, amen. So it's something that we are all dealing with. And oftentimes we may even make it worse on ourselves, right? But what's the definition of labor? Uh, labor means to exert one's powers of body or mind, especially with painful or strenuous effort. Work. So the idea is stretching ourselves, strenuous to mind. Uh, you oftentimes, again, if you really care about what you're doing, you put your heart and soul into it, amen? The feelings are involved as well. Uh, and, and this force being utilized is like power. It's exertion of power. It's a natural force within us that often goes against our default condition of like well-being, right? Our state. I mean, think about it. Oftentimes you don't want to go to work. Oftentimes you are looking, when is work going to be over? Uh, think about working out. Oftentimes when you're exercising, you're trying to get through that exercise. I know uh, uh, cyclists, I like to bike ride here and there. I'm certainly not an enthusiast by any means, but I like to bike ride here and there. And cyclists will have like these bikes set up in their garage or their den and they'll call it the pain cave because they'll sit there and pedal those those in, uh, indoor bikes until they're in great pain and it's just agonizing. I mean, for me, I get on a bike and I sit down. I'm like, ooh, that's enough pain. Uh, but I'm good for 30, 40 minutes. I'm good. Like get me on a rail trail, something flat. I'm good 30, 40 minutes. Uh, but uh, man, biking is not easy. But there's pain and then there's reward. It's a labor, right? Going to a job oftentimes isn't easy. Uh, there's pain, but there's reward. That's labor. Uh, maybe a lot of times you work and, and, you know, it seems like whatever comes in goes right back out. And that's real painful, right? Because you're working hard and it all comes in and then it's all gone. Amen. I know how that feels, you know. And so what, whatever it is that you do for a living, you, you, I don't have to convince you what work is like. But uh, why do people labor? Why do they go against the natural order of their bodies to just relax, to chill? Why do they do that? For gain, to gain income for their household. In other words, to put food on the table. Now, I just want you to take a step back for a minute. Now, who do you think created that order? I mean, do you think that that's a societal thing? No, God created that. In the Bible, it says that a man, you shouldn't eat if he doesn't work. Amen. Uh, that a man is worse than an infidel if he doesn't provide for his family. That God wants us to work hard. God made us to work. Uh, you'll, you'll hear all these stories about people that retire and then like all of a sudden they die because God made us to work. And then you have someone that's like a hundred and they're still working their job. God made us to work. And we, you know, I know a lot of people in education, for example, you know, where I grew up, all the teachers, and we had a nice school and all this stuff, plenty of tax money to go around, I imagine. Uh, and all the teachers were just like counting the days, counting the minutes and until they could retire. And I've done some teaching over the years, and I could see why they would count the minutes. It's quite challenging. Uh, and at the same time, 
then what? You know, you retire, then what? You think you're going to be happy. You think you're going to be complete, but quite the opposite happens. We need purpose. We need work. And so God made us to work. Amen. That's why we labor. We labor for gain. Amen. We're laboring for some kind of gain. Oftentimes people that are working maybe in the corporate world, maybe trying to work their way up. Uh, You may start with an apprenticeship or an internship and you're working your way up. Uh, My niece just got a job at a university and she said, oh, the pay is very low. I can barely get by on this. And, you know, this, this, and this. And I said, it's a start, you know, you're getting your foot in the door. It's what she wants to do. It's her passion is in this same field. And so she's going to work her way up, right? To fit in with society, we've been taught you need to go to school, have a vocation. It's just part of our culture. And yet at the same time, work doesn't often end when we leave work. I mean, for the working moms out there, you have childcare. I know how hard that must be to work all day, especially the single moms work all day and then come home to their kids and have to care for their kids. That's, that's a really rough, uh, rough go. Uh, some people have things that they do, hobbies that maybe like work. Amen. People are joined sports leagues and that can be uh, very taxing on the body. Uh, maybe there's some literary folks out there that are writing or reading and doing research, academics. Maybe people are going to school at night or when they're not at work. Oftentimes, I know when I was in school, I worked while I was in school because without working, I wouldn't be able to pay for anything. So I literally had to work the entire time I was in school. And in fact, if I recall correctly, I enjoyed going to work probably more than I did go into class. Amen. Um Cleaning, housework, renovations, improvements. How about side gigs or second jobs? You see those everywhere. Man, tutoring, teaching, helping family and friends. I mean, you know, when does the labor stop? I mean, it's hard to imagine when it ends. In the ministry, I mean, I just gave you a few of like things that go beyond your your day job, so to speak. In the ministry, I literally have 57 examples, which the, the, the uh, podcast might not allow me to read them all. I don't know why. When in my notes, I had like just 12 examples outside of ministry, but 57, you know, soul winning, food bank, discipleship, choir, thrift store, nursing home, uh, homeless shelter, street preaching, online media, youth camp, youth sports, Sunday school, children's church. Tutoring, childcare, nursery, pastoral school, uh, missions, mission support, radio preaching, prison ministry, hospital ministry, FCA, singles ministry, couple relationship, church planning, leadership retreat, music production, church tech. I mean, I could go AA and recovery, counseling, divorce care, college, uh, admin, accounting, bus ministry. I'll stop, but man. Yeah. Okay. So just think about all this, you know, you add all these things together and if you're living life in this world, you are going to be heavy laden like that ladle you put in the soup and it's just pouring over, right? It's like you have all these burns, all these, the cares of the world, all just there, right? Just, just, oh, just like oozing out oppressed or burdened. That would be the idea. All these things burdening and weighing you down. And, 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 and this can lead to being frazzled and stressed out. It's not good mentally. Uh, it can be lead to bondage if we're not careful. Uh, being in bondage to, to a job or to a career or whatever it may be. 
uh, it can lead to some really bad things. And a lot of this, I believe, is is geared toward the adult in the sense that that's who lives it. But children certainly could learn and, and take heed. And God is saying in the midst of all this chaos, I want you to rest. Like in the midst of all your work, I want you to rest. I want you to work really hard on six days, but rest on the seventh. You know, God worked really hard in creation and very detail-oriented and very methodically. We've gone through all of the deep layers, so not all, but some of the deep layers that we see in Genesis 1. And now here in Genesis 2, God's saying, okay, I'm resting. Take a page from my book. Take an example from me. Lean on me. Trust me. It doesn't have to be that hard. And, and there's a great proverb. Check that psalm, Okay not Solomon, but his dad. There's a great Psalm, Psalm 127, verse two. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Amen. He giveth his beloved sleep. Like, you know, you don't have to go all out all the time and try to prove something to God. God knows your form. God knows everything about you. And he wants you again. There's a season to work hard, but he also wants you to rest. Amen. And it's something that over the years, uh, I think I've had to learn a lot as well. You know, I go to bed way earlier now than I used to. And that's not just from being a dad and having kids, though I'm sure that factors in. But also, too, just knowing that, hey, you know what? The day's over. You know, like I'm going to spend time with my family, have dinner, wind down, you know, and, and go to bed. Like, you know, I'm not going to push like you see, you know, people and it's 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 atrocious. You'll see it online, you know, people you know, getting up at four in the morning and bragging about it every day for six months. And this is their routine and all that stuff. I mean, that's not of God. He wants us to rest and, 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 and he wants us to rest because he is in control. He's sovereign. So in a way, when we rest on that seventh day, when we rest on the Lord's day, what we're doing in a way is we're actually showing through our actions of faith toward God that we believe Genesis 2. We believe what the word says. We believe that God has created an example we should follow. And we're not going to try to get out of the will of God. And that is so counterintuitive to the world today that constantly wants to go, 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 especially on Sunday. It, 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 and to me, it's increasing. You know, I get more emails on Sunday than I used to, more messages. People are oblivious that this is the Lord's day. Amen. And we are to follow God. We are to follow that example. And as we uh, meet again next time for the next podcast, we're going to look at this idea of rest in the Bible and how prevalent it is in the Bible. It is lit, The word rest is littered throughout the Bible. And we're going to talk about that on the next episode. So make sure to tune in. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless. And amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.